0: What is the purpose of morality? And why does God give us so many moral rules? Does he just not want us to have any fun? What is that about? Um, We're gonna be talking about book three, chapter one of Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, titled The Three Parts of Morality. Welcome to Talking with Intention a Christian podcast about self-betterment through meaningful conversation. I'm Michael Collins. My co-host is Walter Somerville, and in every episode, we sit down to talk about something that we find meaningful or something that we're still trying to figure out. We're not experts. We just believe that life is better when we're intentional about it. I hope you love the show.
1: So what would you think, Walt? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I think um, it might be not my favorite chapter, but it's up there. Um, Especially at the end, there's one line that really stood out to me. And you did one of these to me. One one of the episodes, you let me try to guess which was your favorite part. (laughs) So maybe you'll see if you can pick out my favorite part. See if I can guess your favorite line. Okay. One thing I really liked is how he starts it. I did enjoy this intro paragraph here. He says something that I feel like pretty much everybody can relate to. Um he says uh a story about a schoolboy who was asked what he thought of God <clears throat> mm-hmm. and he said he kind of got the impression that God was somebody who was always kind of waiting around um till somebody was having fun and then trying to stop them from having fun <laughs> yeah. and that was kind of the impression that this boy got of of God and I feel like at some point or another everybody's had that idea of that's what God is doing. He's up there. He's waiting around for me to find something fun that I am enjoying. And then he's trying to put a stop to me having fun. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've
0: definitely heard a lot of people talk that seem to have that view. I remember, you know, thinking that was basically what was going on, yeah. you know, when I was a little kid. And yeah, because it, it does seem like that at first, I think, when you just see the, look at the Bible as this list of rules. Yeah. Um, and nothing else. It's like, oh, that doesn't look like any fun. It makes me think of um, not The Pilgrim's Progress, but The Pilgrim's Regress, which is a book by C.S. Lewis written in the same style. I actually liked it a lot more. I think it followed... The Pilgrim's Progress just felt like a bunch of dreams, or like one long weird dream, which is just like random stuff would happen all the time, and not following strange. any coherent... Have you read it? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty strange. I mean, I enjoyed it. read the whole thing, but you know, so I must have enjoyed it somewhat. But *The Pilgrim's Regress follows a little bit more of an actual story. And uh, it's like uh, allegory for Lewis's own you know, uh, conversion, Yeah, I interesting. guess. It's really cool. Um, it won't be for everybody, but some of you guys might like it. I recommend it. Um, but I remember at the beginning of that book, he, that's his view, basically, is of God is just this guy with all these rules. And yeah. if you break them, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know? but,
1: and also just the in the broader context, morality in general can kind of feel like that as well. Like, what's the point of having a more moral values or moral ideals? They just kind of keep me from having fun or keep me from living the way I want to live. Um, and so he jumps in and addresses that, um, talking about, he talks about the humans like a machine. He makes that analogy of humans being like a machine.
0: I've got, I underlined the this, this section It yeah. says moral rules are directions for running the human machine. Every moral rule is there to prevent a breakdown yeah. of the machine basically. Right. So yeah, I think he, it gives a, a more solid reason for why, why we need morality, why we need to not do things that we want to do sometimes because, uh, because they're considered wrong and it's, you know basically it's that sin you know immorality is bad not just because god decides I, I don't like these things it's because these things that he god tells us not to do will kill you right they're and you know that might seem extreme but the bible says the wages of sin are death right and okay maybe i can't convince you that it'll kill you um but that you know telling a lie will kill you um, but it's bad for you. You're making your life worse
1: every time you do something immoral. Yeah, right? and that adds a whole new depth to this idea of morality because um, now it's not just being good for the sake of being good. It's not just that we're trying to follow all these rules for the sake of the rules. It's that the rules are in place because that's what, that's how humans are built to function. The human machine, as Lewis calls it, Right these rules maintain that machine, keep it from breaking down. All these rules aren't just there so that we can follow them and we're not just being good for the sake of being good, but to prevent major issues down the road. Um, And he talks about like somebody learning to drive a new machine. And when you're first learning to drive a machine, it makes me think of a few summers ago, uh, Mark brought us all down, the staff that were here during the summer of COVID, the staff that were volunteering here and he was trying to show us how to drive the um, the big zero turn oh yeah zero turn yeah yeah that's just I guess the last machine that I've tried to learn how to drive and he, Lewis calls it out exactly how it is when you're trying to learn a machine like that every it feels like every few times you do something, the person who's teaching you who knows what they're doing, they're like, no 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 not like that. You need to do it this way. No 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 not like that. You need to do it this way. And you realize the things that seem natural and right for you will break the machine. And so that's what Lewis is talking about with the the these moral rules. It's that, you know, we're getting called out and it feels like we're getting called out over and over again, all these rules. Um, but it's because if we go out about on our own, just doing what, you know, what we feel like all the time, it's going to lead to major breakdowns. It's more than just... <laughs> it's
0: good for the sake of good. Like you said, um, there's actual consequences, physical consequences to sin and to immorality. Um, you know, Lewis, after that starts talking about how pe- some people like to use the term ideals rather than, uh, moral obedience. Um, yeah. and he says that, you know, there's one sense that that's great. And one sense that he thinks it's very misleading, you know, because he says there is a moral ideal, which is perfection, right? Just as there's a ideal way to drive a car or an ideal, what else? Is it, um,
1: changing gears
0: in a car. Yeah, changing gears in a car or perfect tennis players or drawing perfectly straight lines, right? There is perfection. Perfection, you know, especially, you know, and this is the difference between moral, objectivity and subjectivity which we just did an episode on so this chapter is perfect but you know there is a perfect morality that's god basically right um but if you look at ideals when somebody talks about this is my ideal house right he doesn't mean this is the ultimate perfect house it means this is my favorite this is what i the house that i would like and if you think about if you you know that can be confusing to use the word ideal then for morality because it's like saying that this is my ideal morality that this morality is good for me it maybe you need a different morality right yeah. which i think honestly I, i've heard people talk about this a lot of people don't look at morality like this nowadays right or you, truth I wrote down my truth versus truth and my right versus right, right? Like truth is subjective. Like whatever you believe is real to you, then that becomes real to you. And that's just not the case. If something's true, it's true regardless of whether anybody believes in it or not, right? And that's moral objectivity is that there is a good standard. There is a perfection that we're trying to achieve, even though none of us can achieve it. Yeah, that
1: whole part was a little hard for me to follow, but the best I could grasp it was basically like when somebody's saying, uh, well, going back to what it was saying about so, talking about somebody that has high moral ideals, mm-hmm. kind of like somebody that has high moral standards. You know, They're trying really, really hard um, not to lie and to always do the right thing. And we look at them and they're like, wow, they have set a high bar for themselves in terms of morals, and what, I think what Lewis is trying to get at is, well, the bar is perfection for everyone. It's, yeah. uh, he didn't set he that bar. He didn't set bar. the bar himself. Every, the bar
0: is set already for everybody. It is perfection. And, you know, somebody, he talks about how the danger of thinking that considering yourself a person of high ideals, of a person who holds yeah. themselves to a higher standard yeah. is just going to cause pride. Yeah. And, you know... <laughs> um, He talks, I underline this part, says, in reality, you might just as well expect to be congratulated because whenever you do a sum, you know, like addition, you try to get it quite right, right? So he's saying there's no point in feeling prideful that you are a good person or that you hold yourself to a so-called higher standard because... It mean, it, all it means is you're trying to be a good person and you're not. your standard isn't any higher than anybody else's. There is a moral standard. That is perfection, yeah. right? None of us can meet it, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, some people do put more effort in than others and some people maybe are a little, I don't even know if they're a little bit closer than others because if you're, I, I don't know that I, that's the case because I think if you are sinned, you've fallen short,
1: Perfection is kind of an all or nothing. Yeah. Deal. It's like
0: you're either there or you're not, and none of us are there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is the whole reason we
1: need God. Yeah. It's a and, good way to look at it and doesn't leave much room for legalism and pride yeah. from trying to do the better pride, than others. And, and it's just yourself comparing.
0: To yeah. I was about to say, it's just comparing yourself to other people, which is never a good thing, which we've, I've, you know, talked about. We've talked about on the podcast several times episodes back of how pride and comparing yourself to other people is just always a bad idea. But I liked that, you know, his little line about you, if people who expect to be congratulated, because they're, they hold themselves to a higher standard. It's like you are same thing as expecting to be congratulated because you're trying to get your math homework. Correct. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, there is an answer. There's a correct answer. Everybody, it's the same for everybody, you know, and we're all trying to get there. Um, And he says, I underline this line, he says, it would be idiotic not to try for every mistake is going to cause you trouble later on, right? Like it's dumb to not try and strive for that perfect moral standard because every time you mess up, it's just going to cause you more
1: trouble. Yeah. Um, And you could see how people might get to that point thinking, oh, well, if perfection is an all or nothing deal and... Like we said, none of us are there. Why even try? And it's because the goal, while it is perfection, it's also there's benefits even if you're not perfect, right? There's benefits to it even if you haven't reached perfection yet. And it's, it's really just mitigating the damage of doing immoral things, really, is what we're doing, right? It's like each mistake missing the mark christians call it sin is eventually going to mess up the human machine it's it's not the way we were built to live and so trying to mitigate those those times that we miss the mark and break down as a human being yeah
0: yeah absolutely you know and i think i wrote on the in the little margin on the side of my page here beside the next paragraph that I said there is beauty in the attempt and I was just thinking you know there is it's it's better to tr- strive after moral perfection and fail than to, to give up not only because of what you were just talking about because of trying to avoid and mitigate the damage done from immorality and sin but because it gives you Responsibility and responsibility breeds meaning, right? Trying to strive for moral perfection, even though we're going to fail, gives us meaning. It gives you, it gives you. I just, I'm just repeating myself, but it gives you responsibility. You take decide, you know what? I'm going to attempt to do this, even though I can't. I'm going to try, and you know it. When you try to do something that's impossible, at first, that's going to feel just like you're beating your head against a rock right but that it's this is the only case where that's not true because of christ because we can't be perfect and christ because we can't be perfect christ came and died and was a sacrifice and took the punishment so that we can have that relationship so we can enjoy the benefits of being perfectly righteous but it still is worth the effort to try to become as like Christ as you can, try to become as perfect as you can. And God works on us and through us constantly to help us with that process. But, you know, you think if you were to think either way, you know, either without Christ, you think it's impossible, so I'm not going to try. Or with Christ, you think, well he already did it for me so I'm not going to try yeah. think about what that actually is going to look like in your life mm-hmm. right it's just going to be it it just seems so meaningless to me is you're just going to live your life purely for yourself for nothing yeah. nothing more important than what you want to do at any given moment
1: like Yeah, to that me, just what do you think yeah. I don't know does that make any sense yeah I um, for me I have to tie it to an analogy to understand it a little bit better and it's something like even knowing that your relationship with your friend or maybe a better is with your wife right knowing that there's going to be times where it breaks down and it's it doesn't work out perfectly maybe you have a fight something goes wrong it, it's going to happen right does that mean it's not worth trying to have a good relationship with them no just because there's going to be times when it's down that's maybe even more reason to work on it and worth striving for, right? To try to mitigate Makes any me times th- like that.
0: Think of a quote from G.K. Chesterton and one of his essays. Again, he says, uh, "If something is worth doing, it is worth doing badly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, if you if it's worth doing, if it's a meaningful pursuit." Yeah then it doesn't matter how hard it's going to be or how much you're going to fail. It's still worth your time and effort.
1: Yeah, and getting better at it because that's something Christians believe too is that there's progressive sanctification. You know, Christ works in our lives throughout our, inside our time on earth here and we become more and more holy. We we uh, become more and more sanctified. Absolutely. And the beauty
0: of a relationship with Christ and our attempts to grow closer to him and our attempts not to sin is that when we mess up, we don't have to worry about the consequences We because the consequences have been taken care of. Yeah. We can just get back up, brush ourselves off and keep going.
1: Yeah, because we are already, we already get to experience the reward of living a perfectly moral life, right? Which is having a relationship with, with God, right? That's the reward for living a perfect life. We couldn't do it on our own, but we still get to experience that relationship because of what Jesus did on the cross.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's keep going through the chapter. Um, so he now is talking about, he wants, it says, let's take it a step further. And it, again, the chapter is titled The Three Parts of Morality. So he's getting to the second part here. So there are two ways which the human machine goes wrong. One is when individuals clash with each other, basically, and I'm not quoting him anymore, but it's where, you know, Walter and I get into a fight. We get into an argument or, you know, I steal something from him and that hurts our relationship. It affects another person, right? My mistake has an impact on him. The other way is when I sin in some internal way that doesn't affect anybody but except for me right? Like, I uh, lust. I it become prideful, yeah. right? I just start, you know, I I'm start going to the gym a lot and just start thinking that I'm the most attractive, you know, yeah. jacked guy ever. And, you know, it starts to go to your head. It's pride. It's a
1: sin, but yeah. it doesn't seem to affect anybody except for me. So why is it still wrong? Right, And it's interesting because he points out to, I think later on in a little bit, that the first issue, you know, the issue where humans kind of collide, either drift apart or collide. I like that he lists both of those. Yeah. Uh, he says that's two ways that, that's one way they can go wrong drifting apart from one another or crashing into one another. And that one's, ri- it seems very intuitively built into us as humans. We understand that that's wrong. Most people agree we should try our best not to hurt other people. Yeah. And and it just seems to be kind of a natural understanding that most people agree that's part of being a good person is trying to manage your relation with other human beings as best you can, trying not to hurt any other people, treat people kindly. People usually agree that justice is a good thing. Um, all this stuff dealing with the relationship between humans, but there's several things on this other end of internal things, like you were saying. That it's easy to kind of start thinking, well, that's just affecting me. Um, that's not going to affect anybody else. It can't be. And so the argument that he's about to, that he brings up here is like, it can't be wrong if it's only affecting me, Yeah, is what he says. And how he. Well, how, <laughs> I don't want to jump too far ahead. Here. No, you're good. I was going to say, Lewis isn't arguing that it's
0: not wrong if it only affects yes. me. He's saying that's what some people say. That's what and... some
1: people say. And his argument to explain to try to explain why it's still wrong, um, even if it's just affecting you, which I would even argue so many of these things, given time to play out, will affect other people. But Lewis says, even if it never affected other people, it would still be wrong. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, as Christians, we don't belong to ourselves anymore,
0: right? Yes, that is an argument he gives. I think that's the argument he gives for the third part of morality in the direction it needs to be headed. I think it works for both, though. Um, And I could be wrong, but I wanted to mention um, that he gives the analogy of a fleet of ships, which I think you actually brought up in one of our previous podcast episodes or chapters or something. I remember you talking about... A human being as a ship in a fleet at some I point I thought we
1: had already ta- i think he might have brought it up once already in a previous chapter am i crazy i don't think so okay. i think
0: you just read ahead or something and <laughs> All you right. came i think it might have come up in the morale subjective versus objective morality yeah which would make sense yeah related in the chapter but lewis gives the analogy of looking at the human race as a fleet of ships and that everybody is a ship in this fleet going somewhere um and where they're going is the third part of morality that we'll get to in just a minute but you know obviously you can clearly see that it would be bad for one ship to crash into another or drift apart out of the formation right that's a conflict you know you're saying damage the fleet uh, yeah affecting somebody else but why should we be concerned with the state of our own ship inside right um So Lewis says, the voyage will be a success only in the first place if the ships do not collide and get in one another's way, and secondly, if each ship is seaworthy and has her engines in good order. As a matter of fact, you cannot have either of these two things without the other. And I I think that's kind of getting to what you were talking about, how... You Know if your ship internally is falling apart because it your the sin does the immorality does have a negative impact on you, yeah. um, if nobody else, it's eventually going to have started affecting other people. Yeah. You know, you're it's going to manifest itself in your life, in your personality, and it's going to start affecting the people around you, yeah. um, but also. I, yeah, I, I really thought that what you said was an argument for the third third reason, but I just read the chapter a couple minutes ago <laughs> before we started recording. And that was also jumping very fairly well. forward. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get ahead of the You know, that it Christians believe that we belong we have a creator. We belong to God, right? And so we should take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um Really, it's saying, it's not up to just us to decide what kind of state our body should be in, or our mind, our soul should be in.
1: Yeah, because what's the difference between you know me harming the people around me? Well, you know they don't belong to me; they're a separate entity. And Lewis says it's kind of the same with us. Really, we don't belong to ourselves. We can't just let ourselves break down if we want to. If we think about it like property, and uh, we belong to the landlord, we're responsible for that property. Which is funny
0: because in The Pilgrim's
1: Regress, he calls the uh, one of the
0: analogies, I think it was the, either I it was an analogy for a preacher, I think it was an analogy for God, though, was the landlord. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's like, that is a whole different perspective is, wow, I don't just belong to myself. I can't just do whatever I want and get run down into a sorry state, but I'm I'm responsible at some point for you know this this property that I've been that I'm taking care of for the moment. Um, but if God's the landlord, you're responsible for treating yourself well and keeping the machine running well the same way that you know you're responsible for the people around you and making sure you don't damage them. Yeah.
0: Here's the um, the line that I thought I was getting to when I read earlier about the ships, about this second part of why we should take care of ourselves. As Lewis says, What is the good of telling ships how to steer so as to avoid collisions if, in fact, they are such crazy old tubs that they cannot be steered at all? What is the good of drawing up on paper rules for social behavior if we know that, in fact, our greed, cowardice, ill-temper, and self-conceit are going to prevent us from keeping them? I want to jump down to a part I underlined. He says, it is easy enough to remove the particular kinds of graft or bullying that go on under the present system. He's saying, it's easy enough to keep us from harming each other through laws and stuff like that, right? Like, it, you know, stealing is is wrong. So we say, it's you can't steal from other people. It's illegal. You'll go to jail if you do, right? Um, so it's easy enough to keep us from hurting each other, but... Lewis says, as long as men are twisters or bullies, they will find some new way of carrying on the old game under the new system. You cannot make men good by law. And without good good men, you cannot have a good society. That is why we must go on to think of the second thing, a morality inside the individual, right? You can stop somebody from doing evil, by force right but you cannot force them to do good you cannot uh yeah and actually i was writing this out um (laughs) the other day so this is perfect um i was writing about this but yeah you cannot force somebody to do good you can force them to stop doing evil i can you know if you're physically beating somebody up i if i had enough force i could stop you from doing that right um this is actually here's the analogy i just remember that i gave when i was writing about this is um you know i can use for i can if if somebody's getting mugged i can use force to stop that mugging from happening Right, if I have a gun, I can go over, use my gun against the guy. Say he's got a knife, and he'll probably stop mugging the old lady. Right, but I, if I try to pull out my gun, point it at you, and say, "Go and give that homeless guy over there all the money in your wallet," or I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) Right, you'll do it, but it won't have any virtue. Yeah. Right. the The money will have been given. But it's more like it's been taken than given. <laughs> yeah, it's the just goodness, a robbery with extra steps. <laughs> the goodness of that act is not there anymore, right? It, you can't force people to be good. Um, you can only force them to stop doing evil if you have enough force. Um, and so if we want to actually be good, you know, we can't just stop with, well, I'm not hurting anybody else so uh, it's good enough, right? Yeah. Um it it it's still wrong if you're the only person that it's negatively affecting and if it is immoral it is negatively affecting you. There's mm-hmm. no getting around that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I think the point is you are also a human and so negatively affecting yourself is also bad in the same way that negatively affecting other people is also bad. Yeah. Um I think that's the the long and short of it but then he brings up another point which i would have never thought of i'm not nearly as smart as this guy he thought i'm gonna find the right place to read from it his idea was what about the third thing of where is this fleet of ship in this analogy where is this fleet of ships heading
0: that's what i think i've got what you're talking about here i i Marked a paragraph says, morality then seems to be concerned with three things, all right? Here are the three things. Firstly, with fair play and harmony between individuals. Secondly, with what might be called tidying up or harmonizing the things inside each individual. Thirdly, with the general purpose of human life as a whole. What man was made for? What course the whole fleet ought to be on? Yeah.
1: Right? So... This, which
0: direction are we going as yeah. a, as humans?
1: Yeah, even if all the ships stay perfectly in line and the engines are kept up, um, if it was meant to go to New York and ends up in Iceland, it's a huge failure. Even though they all managed each other well and, and internally they were all well-maintained, we also have to arrive at the correct goal after we get everything working, par- working well. And so what is that goal right what is the the purpose of human life right in that analogy that's the third part of it
0: so and you know the first half of the book has been all arguing for the existence of god and religion and christianity um so i I, this we're going to start from that conclusion basically with this um Lewis says, "Remember that religion involves a series of statements about facts which must either be true or false." So, if he also I don't know the line here. If somebody else made me for his own purposes, then I shall have a lot of duties which I should not have if I simply belonged to myself. Okay, so that's what you brought up earlier, right? Um, talking about the second point, um, which works perfectly for that. Um. But also, if God, if we're created by God, which is you know, at this point, we've come through all of that. If you if you don't believe that, then you're probably going to have issues with the, this argument. but go back and listen to the rest of the series on mere Christianity, um, so that we'll all be on the same page. But um, if we're created by God, then we aren't responsible. You know, it, we are—we have duties to him, not just to ourselves, right? It's a higher purpose, a higher reason to be moral and to be going in the right direction, which would be toward him or whichever direction he tells us to yeah. go, which thankfully is toward him yeah. um, because he owns us, yeah. right? Which probably rubs some people the wrong way to think God, so that you were owned by God, but yeah, it it's does. A, yeah. Yeah. It's right?
1: interesting. I remember in Bible college, one of the, one of the analogies that doesn't often get talked about, at least in America for our relationship with Christ. Right. You know, one analogy is like a marriage. You know, we like to say we're a friend of God. One of the big analogies is a slave actually in the Bible or a bond servant. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It really is kind of an ownership, but I mean, what else does it mean that he made us and has a purpose for us than that, and that we are his, right? And the thing is, he's not, that's the whole, you know,
0: we're slaves to him by choice because it's the best thing we could possibly be. It's the best life you can possibly live is to be a slave, to make yourself a slave to God, right? Right. Um, cause you're either going to be a slave to God or going to be a slave to sin. Um, yeah. it, that's a, You know, and uh, another way of saying that, which I've mentioned before is you're going to worship something. It's either going to be God or it's going to be yourself or something else. Money, a significant other, your business, something. Um, and worshiping anything other than God is the same thing as worshiping sin, right? That's idolatry. Yeah. And so you're, and you're going to be a slave to whatever you worship. So, worshiping God is the best decision you can possibly make.
1: It's what we were created to do. Um, yeah, I like that. You're going to be a slave to something, whether you're aware of it or not. And yeah. so, you know, pick and choose carefully. Are we ready to move on to this next little section here? Or so. Yeah, he just continues on after talking about how, you know, if we belong to ourselves, um, then doing whatever we wanted for our own purposes would be no big deal. But if in fact we belong to a different landlord, um, then we have a lot of duties. Yeah, he says, uh, then I shall have a lot of duties which I should not have had if I simply belonged to myself. Um, And he, he reinforces this by talking about eternity, right? And how it's one thing if all a human has is his 70 or 80 years on earth right? Yeah.
0: He says, there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about if I were going to live only 70 years, but which I had better bother about very seriously if I am going to live forever, right? Perhaps my bad temper, and my jealousy are gradually getting worse so gradually that the increase in 70 years will not be very noticeable, but will, it might be absolute hell in a million years. Yeah. In That's fact. so interesting Yeah.
1: to think about just little things that Man, especially early on in your life, it's like, oh, that's no big deal. Something that comes up once a week, once a month even, it's no big deal. You play that out over 70 years, maybe it's increasing and it's kind of, it's showing up more and more, but it's not going to be noticeable in my lifetime. But if humans are, if we have a soul that's eternal and we're going to live on in heaven forever, heaven or hell, then it's going to continue to grow in one direction or another. And so these things that otherwise wouldn't be an issue at all, suddenly become quite a big issue.
0: You know, this is making me think of the episode on morality, um, that we did on subjective versus objective morality. And at the end of that episode, I said that I don't believe there's any neutral act. I don't remember exactly what I said, but basically there's no such thing. Everything that you do is either good or bad. Yeah. Everything. um, and you know it's this has got me thinking about that again and i've been thinking about it since that episode um you know because the things that seem like they're not a big deal if we're really going to live forever you know it's gonna over time it's going to compound and it's why we put intentionality between between before our actions we take time we think about what we're doing and how it's going to affect us and the people around us right um And I, you know, I somebody reached out um, and told me they disagreed with my statement that everything is either good or bad. Um, And they gave the analogy of they said if I flip a coin, you know, that's not good or bad. And so I was like, okay, well, it got me thinking about it. Um, Yeah, good, right? Yeah. Um, And I realized, okay, I should, I should, I can say it in a better way. What I mean is every. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I don't know what I mean. <laughs> what I think I mean is every intention is either good or bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you never do anything without a for without a reason. Yeah. Okay? Maybe you don't know what that reason is, which is what we are against here that's why we call the podcast talking with intention we want to live our lives intentionally and know the reasons behind our actions but you do have a reason for every single thing that you do right if you flip a coin there's a reason for that maybe it's not a big reason maybe it's literally you were bored right okay so you flip a coin because you're standing you're waiting and you're bored right then you're entertaining yourself you're doing something you know I mean, you're using your body, you're experiencing the world, the texture of the coin. All these things are tiny, yeah. but it, I'm just supporting my argument that that is a good thing then, right, right. is because, you know, you're, enter- you're finding a way to, be create- to creatively entertain yourself yeah. by f- playing with the coin that you had in your pocket, right? Maybe you're flipping a coin because you think it makes you look cool and you want to impress mm-hmm. the girl standing next to you, right? Yeah. Okay. Now flipping the coin is wrong because it's pride. You're making that decision out of pride. In that case, I think it's wrong. And So maybe it's like every motive is either good yeah, or bad. Yeah, every motive is either good or bad or, and every action that you take has a motive. Yeah, there we go. You know, and it's just, the. I mean, that's what our podcast is about is trying to figure out and make sure we understand the motives behind our actions mm-hmm. because they're, they're always there.
1: Yeah, and I think I'll add on to that. Like you said, we don't always know the motives, and that's why we have what we call gray areas. It's not because the motives or the actions themselves are gray, like partway good, partway bad. Is that we don't understand, and so that's where, as a Christian, it's amazing that it's not just up to us to figure out every part about us into work painstaking every single action out and make it perfect we have christ to come and transform us and he's going to do it to perfection Uh, lewis talks about that in a previous chapter like giving your life to to christ is no small deal some some people come to christianity because they want to fix up their life a little bit maybe they want to get past alcoholism or anger issues or different things that they realize in their life are bad things. And so um, they look to God to help them clear up those things in their life. But God doesn't stop there, right? He's not going to stop on these little issues until you've arrived at perfection, right? He's going to keep even these tiny little things like we've been talking about that wouldn't be a problem in 70 years— he, it's a big, it's a great deal of a problem to him, because he's looking towards eternity with us, and so he's gonna s- not stop working on us till we become perfect, right? Yeah, absolutely. We had a whole summer camp theme on that unfinished. Yeah, last Yeah, last
0: summer. That's right. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna try to guess your favorite line oh, here. Oh yeah. Is it one sentence or is it like a section?
1: Uh, one sentence. It's one sentence. Oh man, that makes it a
0: little bit harder. But to be, I think. Oh wait, this is an insanely long sentence that I'm seeing here though. Okay. What I was gonna guess is one sentence, but it's like pretty long six <laughs> lines long. Um which maybe is gonna be incorrect, but it's the only thing I was looking and this is the only thing I've got underlined. Um uh, yeah, so this is what I this is my guess. Here, yeah. Is, If individuals live only 70 years, then a state or nation or civilization, which may last for a thousand years, is more important than an individual. Oh, wait, no, that is the end of the sentence. Dang it. Then it's my next sentence. (laughs) This is my guess. But if Christianity is true, then the individual is not only more important, but incomparably more important, for he is everlasting, and the life of a state or civilization compared with his is only a moment. Mm. That's my guess.
1: That's a good one. That's it's not it. That's close to the idea. Okay. Behind my favorite line in here, but my favorite one was that if somebody else made me for his own purposes, then I shall have a lot of duties which I should not have had. That I should not have if I simply belong to myself. Yeah,
0: I've got that one underlined as well. Yeah, but I, <laughs> because
1: it brings up so much. It reminds me of a lot of what Jordan Peterson talks about: treat yourself as someone worth taking care of. And sometimes people, we just treat ourselves like trash because we feel like, oh, it's just me, you know, nothing matter It doesn't matter if it's just affecting me. But if we think about ourselves as belonging to Christ, right, and worth taking care of, suddenly we have a lot more responsibilities to maintain ourselves. And it's crazy that if we think it's crazy how when we think of belonging to ourselves and, you know, it's just going to affect me how that runs us straight into the ground and it people end up not taking care of themselves emotionally, physically. But it's amazing that thinking about ourselves as belonging to someone else, suddenly we have responsibility. It's like a landlord and you've got to take care of your apartment. And so it's worth maintaining. And yeah,
0: yeah you are, you know, God decided that you were worth dying for. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think there's, there's nothing on this... In this universe, in this physical universe, more important than people, and you're a person. Yeah, yeah. So uh, treat yourself like a person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title of this whole episode: treat yourself like a person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: (coughs) So I'm the last chapter here. He uh, gives the three departments one more time. The three parts of morality are last paragraph. Relations between man and man, things inside each man, and relations between man and the power that made him. And then at the last line, he says, for the rest of the book, I'm going to assume the Christian point of view and look at the whole picture as if, as it will be if Christianity is true. Yeah. Right. So that's how, you know, the lens to look at the rest of the book with, but
1: that's about it stay you got, tuned for the rest of that book yeah you got anything else to add at the very end well no i think that's a that's a good way to wrap it up the three parts of morality managing relationship with others managing ourselves and our relationship with god